I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Back to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday morning as we get into this episode of Nuggets Numbers, the quarterly report, plus some Q&A that I'm going to do in the first segment here. Asked for some questions on Twitter, got some good responses, most of them about Nikola Jokic because I think he's probably just the centerpiece of everybody's attention at this point, but... This, this particular episode of Nuggets Numbers is going to focus on the fact that the Nuggets are 25% of the way through the season. 21 games, multiply that by four, that's around 82. The Nuggets are in a really interesting position at this point, and I think it's it's a good time to kind of step back, evaluate their situation before their game tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. That game will be on TNT, so... Don't have to stress about it and try to find an illegal stream. Uh, just check your local listings for TNT and it'll be that nightly game. So keep that in mind. Again, this is going to be a Q&A to start the quarterly report. And I'm going to go through all of the bench, all of the starters, answer pretty much all of those questions for you. So without further ado, let's get into the Q&A segment. Okay, first question from Nick Katsikas asks... How encouraged should people be by Nikola Jokic's last two games? It's a good question. It's a a really interesting point in the season. After he had gone, I think, four straight games with single-digit performances, comes out against the Boston Celtics, scores 30 points, comes out against the Brooklyn Nets, scores 24 points. In both of those games, he exceeded 20 shots. I think people should be encouraged by Nikola Jokic, but I also think that they really need to understand that the offense isn't entirely predicated on Nikola Jokic being aggressive. The offense has struggled in each of the Boston Celtics and Brooklyn Nets games, and it's not because Nikola Jokic has been bad. He's been good. He's been getting to the rim. He's been taking shots aggressively. He's made more three-pointers in each of these last two games, but it hasn't really changed a lot. I think people should be encouraged by Nikola Jokic, but there are still a lot of things that this team needs to work through, especially the starting unit in finding efficient ways to score rather than relying on the mid-range so much. Next question, Kelly asks, how much weight does Jokic really need to lose to be in shape? And I hate this question. I've always kind of hated this. He came in a little bit pudgy. During the offseason, and and I think people made fun of him for it. People have completely associated his pudginess or kind of general physique with struggling. 
And that's just not true. He was pudgy last year, and he was dominant last year. In the playoffs, when things came down to it and he really had to get aggressive, he got aggressive and averaged over 25 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. It's not entirely physique-related. I think that he probably played off some of that weight to begin the season, and I think he's moved around fine when he's wanted to. Remember, the Nuggets are still the second-best defense in the league right now, by defensive rating. Jokic has to be in shape in order to do that because he captains a lot of that defensive stuff. He's out on the perimeter. He's guarding the pick and roll. He's moving his feet. He's making sure opposing players take shots where they need to take those shots for the Nuggets to be an efficient defense. And so far, he's done a great job of that, I think. Could he play at a lesser weight? Probably. He has in the past. But he himself has said he wants to be bigger than other people so that he can bully them in the post. Now, the question is, will he do that? Will he use that girth to his advantage? Because I think that that is the disconnect. He hasn't been in the paint as much. He hasn't been pushing people around as much. So, if you're going to be that big, you got to use it. You got you to gotta put that to the test. And that's something that he'll probably change over the next 60 games or so and then going into the playoffs. But... Either way, I think he'll get more aggressive, and I think these last couple of games have been a good sign of it. C.T. Fazio asks about Jokic's touches per game last year versus this year. So I pulled the numbers here. These are 2018-2019 versus this year, 2019-2020. Total touches are not that different. 93.5 last year versus 91.6. That's over a a strong sample size. The minutes have been about the same. I really wouldn't look into anything regarding total touches. But where you can start looking into things is where those touches are coming from. Touches at the elbow, last year was 7.0. This year is 8.4, so a little bit higher. Post touches, 7.7 versus 6.3, a little bit lower. Paint touches, 6.7 versus 5.6, a little bit lower. Those touches that he'd be getting where he's a little bit more aggressive, a little bit using his body a little bit more, they've gone down. They they haven't been as frequent, and I think a lot of it has been the inclusion of Will Barton in the DHO offense. He's had another option to be able to turn consistently in the DHO and pivot and give him the ball and let him work and let him do his magic. But the fact is, he's at his best when he's in the paint. He's at his best when he's dishing from there and and doing his distribution at that point. The elbow touches really work when he's shooting the ball well, and he's not shooting the ball well right now. So going to be interesting to see how this progresses throughout the year. But I think that that has something to do with his touches, is that I don't think they're coming in in the right places most of the time. We'll see if that changes. That's just an opinion. I could be completely off base with it. But that's just what I see. I think that he needs to get down low. He needs to get below the free throw line. Once he does that, he can go back to the elbow whenever he wants. And Denver will be better for it. WC Buckets asks, What is the difference between three-point attempts and three-point percentage between the starters and the bench this year? So for this particular question, because they play drastically different minutes, uh, 
the Nuggets starting lineup has been one of the most heavily used units in the entire NBA. Actually, it is the most heavily used unit. It's played over 400 minutes this year. That's massive at this point of the season. So instead of just straight data like that, I use three-point attempts per 100 possessions to kind of balance out the number of possessions each of those units had. And for the bench unit, because they've rotated a couple of their wings around, I decided to reduce that down to the three-man lineup of Morris, Grant, and Plumley. Those guys have played every game. Those guys have been on the floor with the bench every single time. They represent what really happens when Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic come off the floor. Really gets into their bench stuff. So, the starting unit. They average 32 attempts from three per 100 possessions for 33% from three. That's a pretty decent average number for three-point attempts. They've actually done a decent job of getting those numbers up, and, and they've, they've gotten them up more lately. That's, that's a great sign. That means that they are continuing to generate those good shots and remaining aggressive, the problem is that three-point percentage just isn't high enough. 33% isn't going to get it done in this, this current climate of the NBA. Those guys need to need to be able to shoot. Uh, Nikola Jokic is dragging that down. It's 23% from three. That's got to change. That's, that's one of the big reasons why that lineup could be even better than they are, but they aren't really getting to the rim because the center's always in the paint. Uh, Jokic isn't pulling him out like he used to. Now, by comparison, the three-man lineup of Morris Grant Plumley, which includes other options like Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Wancho, Michael Porter Jr. on a rotating basis, so pretty much any of those guys, or even if Jamal Murray or Gary Harris or Will Barton was out there too. Um, that three-man configuration has 28.6 three-point attempts per 100 and 35% from three, 35.6%. So the bench has better accuracy but poor volume. That volume, 28.6 per 100, would actually rank 27th among all teams in three-point attempt rate. O only above teams like the San Antonio Spurs and Indiana Pacers and teams that really focus on the mid-range shot that Denver should not be trying to emulate there. Those teams aren't great offenses. They're average offenses. You want to be a great offense, don't they? I think that that's the... That's the goal, is to, to kind of step it up. Um, unfortunately, that lineup hasn't been able to generate as many three-point attempts, and that's probably more due to an unwillingness to take them rather than the other way around. Uh, Plumley is a non-shooter, so kind of understand that he would drag that down a little bit, but guys like Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, they need to be pulling from three. Those guys space the floor and do so much work. Like, Jeremy Grant is doing a lot of the heavy lifting from three, and he's actually gotten a lot better over late. Uh, he's up to 36% from three, which is a, num a number that you take after after the start, the start of the season that he had. He was kind of down near Nikola Jokic and where Jokic is right now. But Mate Morris doesn't shoot a lot of threes. Plumlee shoots none. Torrey Craig is never going to be a high-volume guy. Michael Porter Jr., surprisingly, not a high-volume three-point shooter. He's more of a mid-range guy, somebody who likes to crash the glass a lot. But the fact is that if that group can get that number a little bit higher, they're going to be better for it because 
They need to jack they need to jack those shots up. They have the shooters to be able to do it. Those guys just need to be willing to take it. Derek Valdez asks, how many different lineups have we seen this year? So really, there have only been three major lineups that have played <clears throat> over 50 minutes this year. Two of those lineups include the bench. One of those configurations was with Tory Craig. That lineup didn't really work. The next iteration with Wancho instead, that features Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Wancho, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. That lineup's actually pretty good, and it's working really well of late. They have a better net rating than the starting unit right now, and and the uh, the actual raw plus minus there, they're plus twenty three in seventy minutes played. That's a really good ratio, and if you can consistently be a solid group uh, over that long period of time, that's going to help the starters out a lot. The starters are currently ironing out some issues right now, so if they have the bench to be able to rely upon. That's wonderful. Uh, as we, as everybody knows, the starting lineup's been really good overall. They have a, a plus 100 number, basically, over 400 minutes. So that's, that's pretty good. Hard to argue with that. The problem that we run into is pretty much all of the lineups in between have been negative. Lineups that include usually Jamal Murray and Mason Plumlee have been negative. Lineups that include Nikola Jokic and Monte Morris have been negative. Kind of those mixtures where, let's say, Jeremy Grant comes in for Paul Millsap and Wancho comes in for uh, Will Barton. With that starting lineup, they actually haven't been that great. Uh, the mixtures with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and the bench forwards and center have also not been great. Um, those lineups have a limited amount of chemistry because the Nuggets really work to iron out their starting unit in training camp and they worked to iron out a bench unit in training camp. And I think those guys really developed a lot of chemistry that way with guys like um, Monte Morris and Mason Plumlee pretty much all playing together. Jeremy Grant playing together with those with that bench unit a lot because that's where he was going to spend most of his time. The starters, it really became clear that Will Barton was going to be the starter. And so those guys, they have a comfort level with each other. And you wanted to get those guys as much run as possible. And so that's what happened. And that lineup has been great. But when the lineups start to mix and match, it's been a real problem. So far, Denver has played 14 lineups, 10 minutes or more total. Seven have been positive. Seven have been negative. The positive lineups, the, they have two main positive lineups that have been really good. Uh, that's the primary starting unit and the primary bench unit now. But... Everything else is kind of in, it's kind of middling or negative, and that's, that should concern Nuggets fans, I think, a little bit. So I think I would push back that they use too many lineups. I think that they should actually use more. Uh, if the, if the Nuggets are only ever comfortable with two lineups, they're going to begin to struggle when some of those pieces get injured or, or people go down and, or for some reason guys, guys are unavailable. Let's say Nikola Jokic gets into foul trouble again or, Gary Harris gets into foul trouble or, or whatnot. If you have situations where those guys are, are removed from those scenarios, then that breaks up those two five-man units that have been so good. It's very difficult to recover that. I would like to see 
Denver stagger their starters a little bit more. I think that's going to help them out in the long run. I think that's going to give Michael Malone a better picture of who he can trust and what lineups he can really go to when he has to go away from the starting unit. He knows what the starters look like right now, and he knows that they're pretty good. The problem is everything in between. When we come back, we're going to get into the quarterly report. I'm going to talk about the bench unit first in the in the second segment. And then in the third segment, we're going to talk about the starters. We're going to see how that goes. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here, solo episode. I'm going to start trying to have more guests on the Nuggets numbers podcast because I think it will be interesting for Nuggets fans to hear the differing perspectives of some of the opposing takes. Let's say the Nuggets are playing the Portland Trailblazers on Thursday, which they are. It would probably be nice for Nuggets fans to hear a little bit of friendly debate between myself and a Trailblazers reporter or media member or fan even. Uh, somebody who's very comfortable with knowledge about the Portland Trailblazers, or let's say it's the Utah Jazz or the Los Angeles Lakers or anybody like that. That would be an interesting conversation that I, I would like to have, and I think Nuggets fans would enjoy in the future, so keep an eye out for that. This next segment's going to be the quarterly report about the bench. There have been seven players that have played significant bench time, uh, And when I say significant, I mean they've suited up. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. will be included in this, though I don't think I'm going to give him a score. The scores are going to be out of 100. 50 is average. Zero is awful. 100 is they have greatly exceeded expectations. Average, of course, relates to those expectations. What we kind of thought about that player going into the season, where they were versus where they currently are. So... Let's start with the bench, and let's start with the point guard, Monte Morris. He's at 17.2 minutes per game, 7.2 points, 3.4 assists, only 0.7 turnover, so he's kept up that great assist-to-turnover ratio. His slash line, 43.1% from the field, 39% from three, 73% from the free throw line. So basically, not a lot has changed with Monte Morris thus far. He started out the season really slow, but has since picked it up from a shooting perspective. The only thing that's really down is the minutes, and I think the assists have have even improved just a little bit on on the rate basis. So I'm going to give him a 50. I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't played any more than he has. Uh, The Nuggets have clearly prioritized going to their starters and getting Jamal Murray a lot of time. 
Monte Morris hasn't played as much as, as everybody thought he would and definitely not as much as last year. So it's hard to give him more. Um, and he hasn't really blown anybody away with the numbers that he's putting up. So I think 50 average is pretty good. Pretty reasonable. Malik Beasley, 15.9 minutes, 6.4 points, 1.5 rebounds, 1.1 assists. His slash line, 38% from the field, 41% from three, 85% from the free throw line. Pretty disappointing start to the season for Malik Beasley. He sat out four games with what was a sickness and kind of turned into something a little bit more. Hasn't been shooting the ball efficiently anywhere inside the the three-point line. That's an issue. Uh, hasn't really expanded his game beyond kind of the, the general uh, slashing to the rim, cutting back door, running in transition, spotting up. I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, and the, the the fact is the defense just isn't there. His defensive impact, I thought he did a pretty decent job at the start of the season, but it quickly tailed off. And that's that's a problem. That's something that the Nuggets can't deal with. They, they are the second best defense, and they've continued to rely on being the second best defense. But the fact is they have other guys like Michael Porter Jr., like Wancho, that deserve time. And this is going to be an interesting time for Malik Beasley because according to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, he is the subject of a lot of trade calls right now with Denver, uh, where a lot of teams are calling Denver about him to see if he's available, and Denver is politely listening to those calls. They aren't necessarily giving an indication one way or the other of whether they're going to trade him, but the fact that they're listening should tell people everything they want to know. The Nuggets didn't agree to an extension with Malik Beasley. It's very possible that if they don't see him in the long-term plans anymore, that they decide to ship him out. Whether it's as part of a larger package and getting somebody really strong in return, or if it's just getting draft compensation back or another young prospect, that'll be an interesting discussion, and that's that's a discussion for another podcast. But... I'm going to give Malik Beasley a 25 out of 100. Pretty disappointing start to the season for him. The fact that he was basically benched for four games should tell people everything they need to know. Hasn't been the player that he was last year. Shooting a pretty strong percentage from three, but that's to be expected. The Nuggets needed him to be more than that to have a strong impact on the team. And while he's spacing the floor for the bench unit, and that's sorely needed, they need him to do more to consider him a long-term piece. Juancho Hernan Gomez, 14.9 minutes, only 14 games played, 4.2 points, 2.6 rebounds. His slash line is 36.8% from the field, 32% from three, 55.6% from the free throw line. So basically, I think it was five of nine from the free throw line. Very small sample size. I'm going to give him a 35 because unlike Malik Beasley, his expectations were a lot lower, and he's also had less opportunity to prove that. He hasn't performed very well, but I think in the role that they want him to play, kind of the small forward who spaces the floor, cuts off ball, 
he's done a pretty decent job of that. The, the numbers, the shooting isn't there, but I still have faith that kind of once once he turns it around a little bit, I think the the offense is going to look a lot different. His defense has been better than Malik Beasley's has. Uh, not a high bar, but neither guy has really performed well. So I give Wancho a 35. He's more in line with what I thought he would be than what Malik Beasley is. So that's kind of where that is. Torrey Craig. I'm not going to give any stats for Torrey Craig because, as Michael Malone said, he's not out there to accumulate stats. He's out there to play a role. He's not out there to shoot a high three-point percentage. He's out there to play great individual defense, which he has. He's won Denver a couple of games with his defense. He won them the Houston Rockets game. Uh, With the way that he completely flummoxed Russell Westbrook, with the way that he completely... He he forced the ball out of James Harden's hands. He didn't stop James Harden, but he forced the ball out of his hands. That was a big deal. Helped hold the Houston Rockets to 95 points, which is their lowest total of the season. It's not surprising to me that he hasn't played that much because he really is a role player. He really is a, a spot minutes guy that you use in certain situations. So I'm going to give him a 45. His three-point percentage has been low. And his his playing time has been very spotty. Uh, it's hard to give somebody an average grade if that's not like if if you're not playing all that much. So he's going to get a 45. It's slightly below average, but still kind of in line with what I thought he would be. The defense has been great, and unfortunately, just hasn't added that much to his offensive game to the point where Denver can consistently rely upon him. So going to be interesting to see who takes the mantle in Denver's kind of wing rotation off the bench. Uh, The next guy could very well play a big part in that, Michael Porter Jr. He's only played 12 games. He only averages 4.3 points, 2.4 rebounds. He's played 103 total minutes, so hard hard to really give a gauge on him. I'm going to give him an incomplete score, but here's what I see. I see a guy who is struggling to adjust his game to, from number one option to role player. I see a guy who's struggling to pick up the nuances of NBA offense and NBA defense. And then when he tries to think about it too much, he's out of position or he isn't giving enough effort on the boards. Uh, he's thinking too much. He's, he's just doing too much in his head to really impact the game on the court. When he stops thinking about things, when he's out running, when he's cutting back door, when he's just doing the things that he needs to do off the ball uh, without really thinking about it, when he just catches and faces a guy and has the opportunity to take one dribble and pull up from three or pull up from two or take a couple of dribbles into the lane, he's been pretty good. Unfortunately, that's been few and far between. So he gets an incomplete score from me. I think it's pretty notable that in 103 minutes, he has yet to record a steal. He has three blocks, and he showed off his length a couple of times, and he's he's obviously 6'10". He can jump, but he's 6'10", and he can't grab any steals. That's a concern. That's a, that's a pretty strong indicator that his head isn't where it needs to be defensively to really make an impact. 
And I'm, I'm not surprised by that. He's a rookie who's been out of playing basketball for two years, so the expectations should be low. The problem, you have to play him to help him grow, but the Nuggets are struggling to afford to do that because whenever they do play him, he struggles and he, he brings down the team. That's a fact. Like he, he, Wancho has been much better in his role than Michael Porter Jr. has in his role. Um, Wancho has helped the Nuggets win even though he hasn't been great. He's at least in the right spots most of the time, filling his role. Porter just doesn't get it yet. And that's fine. He's a rookie. He will eventually get it, but it's going to take some time. Two more. The two highest playing minutes guys, or, well, we'll call it the most impactful minutes guys on the bench. Uh, Jeremy Grant. He's played 22 minutes per game, 9.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, one assist, only 0.6 blocks, and a low steal total as well. That's pretty, pretty concerning. When you talk about Jeremy Grant, you're talking about a Swiss Army Knife defender. You're talking about somebody who can guard multiple positions, does whatever he needs to to hustle on that end of the floor, make winning plays, and then can also be an athletic Swiss Army Knife on offense, where sometimes he's stepping out from three, sometimes he's taking guys off the dribble, sometimes he's playing off ball and back cutting, but... He, he's still struggling a little bit to, to adjust. The points are kind of in line with what I thought they would be. They're actually in line with the per 36 numbers from Oklahoma City, so not surprising. So are the rebounds, actually. I was pretty surprised about that. Rebounds are, are pretty low, but maybe Mason Plumlee's taking some of those. Um, I'm going to give him a 40. In his last five games, he's averaged 50% from three, so... He's still a little bit below average for what he needs to be. I thought he would provide a, a higher impact defensively. Uh, but mostly Mason Plumlee and, and Monte Morris and Juancho Hernan Gomez have been pretty good there. Jeremy Grant, he has those flashes in a pan, but it's not entirely him that's really impacting the defense. So we're going to see what happens. He's also only shot 59% from the free throw line. That's got to go up. Also takes a lot of the floaters, takes a lot of mid-range shots. Like to see him get away from that, especially if he's going to play with Nikola Jokic in the future. Jokic is going to, the best thing for both of those guys is if Jeremy Grant cuts to the rim, takes threes, doesn't spend too much in the mid-range. That's, that's where Jokic needs to be. Last but not least, Mason Plumley, He's going to get the highest grade, 16.7 minutes per game. Pretty low. That's what happens when you back up Nikola Jokic and you add a guy like Jeremy Grant. It's going to affect Mason Plumlee's minutes, and that's just a fact. 6.9 points, nice. 5.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.5 turnovers. Uh, has had pretty strong indicators and in steals and blocks. They're actually really high percentages for his career. Pretty strong defense has been one of the reasons why the Nuggets have not drowned while Nikola Jokic is off the floor. He has come in and filled his role admirably. So I'm going to give him a 65 out of 100. That's above average. Keep in mind the the tally is from 0 to 50 is average to 100 is way above average. Mason Plumlee kind of doing what we expected him to do, but still performing well, still doing exactly what needs to happen for this team to succeed. So 
give him a 65. I would still like for his shot selection to improve because there are too many times where Mason Plumley is pulling up from or shooting a floater, taking a mid-range jumper. He took a three in the last game. All three of those shots could have gone to somebody at the rim or somebody uh, shooting a three-pointer that's a little bit more efficient and consistent with it. If Mason Plumley takes corner threes, then that's fine. That's that's understandable. But his role has to be to get into the restricted area or get right around it. If he's taking eight foot floaters and sixteen foot turnaround jumpers, then the Nuggets' offense is broken. So, gotta lock that up. Gotta figure it out. That's one of the 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 fringe ways that the Nuggets can continue to improve offensively. Okay, when we come back, we're gonna take a quick break. Going to go over the starters when we come back on this quarterly report. Um, I think I have some interesting scores for everybody. Going to be a fun segment because lots to talk about with the starters. We'll be right back. back nuggets numbers ryan blackburn here we're going to be changing up the podcast schedule for the upcoming weeks going to play around with something new we've got a special episode of something new coming tomorrow on wednesday so keep an eye out for the denver stiffs podcast channel actually it might not be on the podcast channel but it will be up on denverstiffs.com uh, there will be some stuff attached to it, so going to see how this goes. Really looking forward to seeing what this person has in store for us on the podcast. And then the Denver Stiff Show is going to be on Thursdays from now on, and the Dig will be on Fridays. Uh, going to change that around, try to make it easier for everybody to put out a good show every single week. I think the the Denver Stiff Show is is going to get into a good slot on Thursdays. I'm I'm actually excited about that. That should be pretty pretty solid in terms of what people can expect on Thursday now. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about the podcast future. Okay. Starters quarterly reports. This is going to be interesting. All five of these guys have had very interesting seasons, very polarizing seasons, I would say. Jamal Murray, 32.8 minutes per game, 18.2 points, 4.3 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 2.3 turnovers, slash line of 43.7% from the field, 34% from three, 90% from the three throw line. Harrison Wynn pointed out on Twitter of of DNVR.com, those numbers are pretty much identical with what he was doing last year. That's a pretty big deal uh, because this time last year, Jamal Murray was kind of floundering a little bit, wasn't doing great, was still waiting to come into his own as a player. The three-point shooting was even lower than it was right now. Um, But 18.2 points is kind of in line with what we expected. Uh, all of those stats, except for the three-point percentage, are kind of in line with the expectation 
Um, if he shoots a little bit higher from three, the points per game total goes up a little bit. The But what he's really done well is improve on defense. His 1.5 steals per game are a career high. Uh, just completely changing his narrative in terms of what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. He isn't the entire reason why the Nuggets are really good defensively, but it does help that their point of attack defender is still pretty good. Uh, And when you put Gary Harris on the best guy, Jamal Murray can certainly guard the second best guy and do a decent job with it. So been pretty impressed with what he's done so far. So I'm going to give him a 60 out of 100. I think that makes sense. I think that's the right number for him. It's slightly above average to kind of account for the three-point percentage being a little bit lower. I was hoping that he would be taking a little bit more efficient shots at this point, but he's still a little bit more mid-range heavy. Um, Everything else is kind of in line with it, so I think 60 is a pretty good number for him. Gary Harris. Gary Harris is an interesting guy because on one hand, he's putting up great defensive numbers. He's doing a really strong job as a point of attack defender, uh, as a wing defender when he's helping out, when he's rotating, he's been great. 31.8 minutes, only 10.6 points per game. Let that sink in for a little bit. 10.6 points would be pretty low. That's, That's, I think, the second lowest of his career to just his rookie season. Yeah, that is that is true. 10.6 points per game would be a career low outside of his rookie year where he barely played. That's a pretty strong indicator that the Nuggets are going away from Gary Harris a little bit on the offensive end. Will Barton has been taking up his role a little bit. Jamal Murray's been stepping up into a larger role. Paul Millsap hasn't relinquished any of his shots. Nikola Jokic continues to be Nikola Jokic, so the Nuggets need a fifth option, and Gary Harris kind of quietly is that guy right now, especially while Barton and Millsap continue to play well. So I don't think that has been handled great. I think that the shots that Harris continues to take are inefficient. Lots of floaters, lots of mid-range. The three-point shots are, are not where I think they should be. Um, and the, the efficiency in shooting at the rim just isn't where it needs to be. So I'm giving Gary Harris a 40. The points per game regression was going to be inevitable, especially if he's just going to take less shots while Barton and Millsap are going to take more. Um, but the, I don't. I think that there is an opportunity for him to be a more efficient player than he is. He could be a 50-40-90 guy. That's, that's kind of where I see his ceiling. Uh, He was very close to that before. He's probably never going to get to that point as a free throw shooter, but if he eventually did, there's an opportunity for him to do that, especially if he kind of reduces his role to just taking more efficient shots instead of taking floaters, trying to work the ball around and waiting for a back cut to get to the rim, taking those threes, being heavy with that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that progresses little bit worried about Gary in terms of what the Nuggets need long term. They need a little bit of size on the wing, and he may be a casualty to that. I certainly hope not. He's been around for this rebuild and then getting into the championship phase. He's been here the entire time, seen that progression ever since the Brian Shaw era. But the fact is, 
hasn't been up to stuff on the offensive end, and the Nuggets may need somebody who can be, may need somebody who can combat the Paul Georges and Kawhi Leonard's and and LeBron James's of the era. So we'll see how that goes. Will Barton, by extension, is having a really strong, unbelievable season in terms of getting back to where he needs to be. 32 minutes per game, 14 points, 6.5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, just 1.3 turnovers. That's a big number. 45% from the field, 41.4% from three, 72% from the free throw line. I'm giving him a 90 out of 100. It could be better. And that we could we could certainly quibble on on what exactly needs to get better. I think that his shooting inside the arc could be a little bit better, a little bit more efficient. But when you shoot that well from three, when you rebound as well as he has, when you're passing, when you're doing what you need to do to kind of be a secondary playmaker in this offense, the Murray Jokic pick and roll is always going to be the go-to, the bread and butter. But if Jokic has the opportunity, or or if the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll just isn't working, Jokic having the opportunity and, and the, the ability to be able to pivot and turn to Will Barton and run a DHO with them has been really, really big. It's gotten the Nuggets through a lot of tough spots. They've been great with Will Barton on the floor. Hem and Paul Millsap have been the plus-minus guys. They've been really good. Whenever they're on the floor, the Nuggets do well. That is not by accident. I'm giving him a 90. Paul Millsap. Just 25.6 minutes per game. The Nuggets have done a really good job of managing his minutes. I've, I've been really impressed with that. That's been something that they've needed to do. He's been very active in the first and third quarters and not as active in the second quarter and fourth quarter. Sometimes the Nuggets even go with Jeremy Grant to close the game, and that's that's the right idea, especially when Grant earns it. Paul Millsap, 13 points per game, 6 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.2 turnovers. He's shooting 48% from 3 still. That's really impressive. That is something I never thought I would hear. 48% from 3 for Paul Millsap. He really worked on his jumper. He really worked on being athletic and quick and nimble this season as opposed to bulking up and trying to battle inside. He's changing his game to fit what the Nuggets need, and he's doing a great job of it. Also shooting 87.5% from the free throw line. That's great. Like, can't really complain with that number. What I would say is that he still does struggle around the rim. I'll look up the number now just so that I'm not kind of talking about something without really explaining it. Uh, I'm on the wrong player. Give me just a second here, folks. Uh, Let's look at this. Yeah, so he is currently shooting 64% from 0 to 3 feet, just 28% from 3 to 10 feet. Uh, that's where he takes 27% of his shots. That number, like, his frequency in that spot is down, but last year he was shooting 40, 41% from there, and now he's shooting 28%. That's got to change. That can get better. If he was a little bit higher there, his true shooting percentage would be up over 60%. Actually, it is over 60%. It would be even higher than it is right now, and what it's doing right now is really good stuff. He's still... 
acting as kind of a hub for when the Nuggets need an offense, they, when they need a little bit of extra offense, when they need another option down low outside of Nikola Jokic. His post-ups have been pretty decent. He is shooting the ball well. He's hit some clutch jumpers. Really impressed with what I've seen from Millsap. He gets an 85. Nikola Jokic, the ultimate player kind of in this exercise, the last one. 31 minutes per game, 16.1 points, 10.1 rebounds, 6.1 assists. If I told you those numbers at the beginning of the year, you would be rightfully wondering if he was taking a step back. And to to be totally honest, he has. He has taken a step back in terms of his aggressiveness, in terms of the number of possessions he is using. Some of that has to do with Will Barton being in the lineup and being consistent with Paul Millsap being in the lineup and being consistent. Jokic hasn't had to go to the well as often as he has in the past. When he's the only option instead of, like, in the lineup that features Jamal Murray, Torrey Craig, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Mason Plumley, when he's option one and Murray's option two and those guys are really it, he's going to take more shots. But he hasn't had a lot of those opportunities this year to really take over because the Nuggets have had a lot of guys in their starting lineup and none of their starters have really missed any games. Will Barton missed two at the beginning of the year. That that's it. That's that's all the starters have missed. Every every other time they've been suited up. They've been ready to play. They've been healthy. So if Jokic was shooting 34% from three right now, his points per game would be up to 17.4 as opposed to 16.1. So if I said that he was shooting 17 points, 10.1 rebounds, and 6.1 assists. That sounds a lot better than 16, 10, and 6. It just does. But the fact is, Jokic is shooting 23% from three. That number needs to come up. He needs to stay more focused. He needs to keep being aggressive and getting into the paint. Just shooting is not going to cut it. Just taking shots at the top of the key is not going to cut it. Getting into the paint, being aggressive, when he gets the ball isolated against a guard at the top of the key, he can't just rise over them and shoot. He hasn't got a good enough jumper right now to be able to do that. Back them down, take your time, and then work for the best shot possible. He needs to be in the post more. He needs to be going down Broadway a little bit more with his pick and rolls as opposed to popping all the time. If he does that, it's going to open up this offense. It's going to create more looks at the rim, going to create more looks from behind the arc. That's what the Nuggets need to be working for. It all starts with Jokic. So I'm going to give him a 35 out of kind of 100. So he's below average. He's not so below average that it really hurts. Uh, Average for him would be kind of around where he was last year, 20, 11, and 7. 16, 10, and 6 is not that bad. It really isn't. And his defense has been good. Uh, People will talk about it all the time, but the fact is his defense, you can't be an elite defensive team if your center sucks at defense. It's just a fact. He has elevated them on that end. He has been smart with what he's done. His positioning and allowing players to shoot shots in inefficient places, that is a skill. He's still rebounding pretty well. That is a skill as well. So only gets deducted about 15 points, 35 out of 100 for him. 
And that's really going to wrap it up for this quarterly report. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. If you enjoyed that, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help grow the podcast and continue to help us expand. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Really appreciate you tuning in. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. I already talked about the schedule. I already talked about things that are going to come up. Nuggets play tonight against Philly on TNT. Going to be a pretty big measuring stick game for where Denver's at. They probably should lose. If they win, pretty big deal. That's going to do it. See you guys next week. Next week.